Welcome to Healthcare Du Jour, where we dish up and digest the latest in healthcare. For the next 30 minutes, sit back as we bring you insight, commentary, and discussion on trending topics to the table, all expertly served up by our host and his guests. Healthcare Du Jour is brought to you by Carium, the telehealth platform enabling healthcare's digital transformation, helping you care for people within the fabric of their daily lives. Now here's your host, Matt Fisher. Welcome back, and thank you for joining as we dive into the hottest topics in healthcare. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. On the menu today is Fred Pinkett, Senior Director of Product at Security Innovation. Fred, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to be here. So Fred, what I always like to do before getting into the main part of my conversation is to give my guests a chance to provide more of an introduction in terms of who they are and what they do. So Fred, the floor is yours. Ah, well, thank you. I've, I've been in uh, product management for security products and, and some storage and data protection products for my whole career, basically. Um, I've been doing this because I really enjoy the innovation involved with building products, serving people with the products that, that I have, and uh, it's uh, been what I do. So what first interested you kind of in the, in the security side of things, and you know, how have you seen the field evolve uh, through your, throughout the time of your involvement? Yeah, like a, a lot of people, I got involved on the security side of things by accident. Uh, I was in, involved in the early part of my career in a, in a cybercrime investigation for the on the, some of the products uh, because I knew the way our networks work. I knew the way our products work. The people who were involved got me involved in that. And it just grew from there. It's a truly difficult and interesting problem to work on. And it's an important one with all the things going on in the world today. So, you know, it, it, uh, it's been... Uh, Fun and interesting and difficult, and you know, knowing what I know now about cybercrime and cybersecurity, it's a it can be a, a bit of a burden, but it's 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 a really good thing to be involved in. Yeah, and kind of that's a great reference to you know, as you said, all the things going on in the world today. Um, you know, so maybe to just help kind of set the table for the conversation, what are some of the the primary security concerns or issues that are happening out in the wild right now? Yeah, so you know. All, all security, uh, IT security involves software, and that's what my company's involved in, securing software. Um, but there's a lot of things that involve system security, network security, all of those things. Uh, you know, a huge thing for people is ransomware, uh, data theft, uh, dealing with uh, the improper use of their systems, people creating fraudulent transactions, uh, you know, in healthcare. Uh, I, I hate to see it so much when one of these hospitals gets hit by a ransomware attack and gets uh, taken down for a while uh, and, and serving, you know, and, and they can't even serve their patients. Uh, and that just is, is incredibly disturbing to me that that, you know, is still happening a, a lot in the world. But um, in healthcare in particular, theft of data is huge. So healthcare data is some of the most valuable data to cyber criminals because it's got so many aspects to it and so many ways that it can be used compared to just even pure financial data or pure identity data or some of those sorts of things. So, and you just referenced, you know, theft of data and healthcare, you know, is there, you know, I guess, and, and, you know, you also pointed to the value of the data, which is also, you know, hopefully widely known, but, you know, other than the value of the data, you know, why is healthcare potentially like a, a primary target or such an appealing target for cyber attacks? Yeah. Um, well, when the the value of the data is higher, uh, if you you look, uh, you know, what they talk about the, on the dark web, like people's healthcare records um, actually sell for more than say people's credit card records or people's banking records. 
um, because it can be used in so many different ways. There's so much about a person that it can be used both in identity theft and in traditional fraudulent stuff and in people who want to get access to drugs to sell uh, and all those sorts of things. So it's, it's highly valuable. And also, uh, in, especially in, in smaller healthcare settings like regional hospitals or things like that, they're soft targets, uh, you know, organizations spend the minimum they can on IT and IT security because they have to invest in, you know, MRI machines and important equipment to serve their patients. So uh, uh, the combination of them potentially being softer targets and having highly valuable assets uh, makes it really difficult. So if an entity is a soft target and, you know, their resources are constrained to be able to spend on security, you know, whether it be tools or other solutions, you know, what are, you know, maybe some, I'm not going to say easier, but maybe less costly measures that can be taken to help make them a little bit of a harder target? Yeah, well, there's core security things that can be be done. Certainly, uh, what we're involved with training your people and making sure that they know what to do um, and that they can pick the right solutions for them and really understanding uh, what their particular threat model is so that they're focused on the ways in which they can be attacked and the things that they need to protect as opposed to just trying to, uh, you know, broadly implement a, a list of things because it was in a compliance regulation or something. You do have to obviously comply with regulations and do everything that you have to do. Um, but to focus on what the real threats are to your organization uh, and to make sure that uh, the people in your organization are trained to address them, uh, that's the most really efficient way to deal with it. So talking about training, to I guess maybe set the set the field or level set it, you know, how do you define training? So, you know, kind of what goes into a training program and you know, what should folks be aware of? Yeah. So um, cybersecurity training is a really broad area um, because there's the kind of training that you know a lot of us have taken on an annual basis where um, you know, in general. Uh, office staff, doctors, everything, uh, you know, don't click on the bad link, make sure that the email is from who, who it's from, um, you know, make sure you don't load uh, programs and things that you don't know where they've come from, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's the sort of general uh, uh, awareness training. Uh, we focus on application security training, which is training for the people who create software. Um, so if uh, you're creating software for a healthcare organization, everything from, you know, the largest uh, electronic health records uh, organizations to the persons doing the people doing the local hospital uh, you know, website, uh, you need to, uh, everybody needs to understand uh, not just how to do their job, but how to worry about the abuse cases from cyber criminals in their organization and, and in their job. And you know, not a lot of people think about that and are and are taught that. So the cybersecurity training is not the training about your role, but the training about the things in your role that you have to think about from a security perspective while you're doing your everyday job. It, and are you able to provide, you know, maybe an example or two just to provide, you know, kind of ground it and you know allow um, you know, not just the theoretical understanding, but kind of that practical application? Yeah. So if you're a, a software developer, for example, you you know, you were trained in how to program in your particular language and create software in your particular language, but you probably weren't trained 
Uh, and this is unfortunate in how to avoid your software being uh, used by a cyber criminal to attack your program or to steal the data that's uh, involved in your software. Uh, and so you need to be taught not only how to make the computer do the things that you want to do, but how to make it avoid somebody abusing that computer for stealing your data. So there's particular vulnerabilities you need to learn about, how they work, how to make sure that your code doesn't have those in them, um, how to test for them to make sure that you know, you, you've actually produced code. Uh, and that training really needs to be more than just rote training. It needs to be a training of understanding uh, and then a training of hands-on things to do and then the simulation training, which I think we're going to be talking about as we go through this as well. Yeah, no, and I think that makes sense where it's, you know, as you said, it's not just a role-based, you know, a training that you're going to ignore, but it sounds like it's, you know, kind of more skill enhancement um, where you're helping folks to understand and fill in, you know, additional gaps or um, just be able to keep growing in what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. That that growth is a, a huge thing that you're talking about. Um, uh, you know, being a lifelong learner and really understanding these things as they go along. Um, adding these skills to to your skills to be able to produce better software and more secure and safer software, um, all of that is important and, and sort of constantly doing it on a regular basis as opposed to an annual, oh, well, we're doing the compliance training, you know, this week and then, you know, forget about it for the other 51 weeks. Yeah, and I think you also just referenced uh, or made made the point of it's not just an annualized training but is kind of ongoing. So, you know, is it, is there a particular cadence that you're, that you look for, or is it more, you know, kind of as the landscape changes, you're, you know, you're advancing the information and knowledge um, to, so everyone can keep up with that? Yeah, it's both, both of those things, actually, you know, um, you want to have some kind of regular cadence so that it's always fresh in people's minds, right? So when you go to do your job, you're like, Oh, I just ran into this, you know, particular scenario in the training. I, I got. I remember I have to do this, right? Um, but then something big will happen, uh, and you need to maybe interrupt and and do a particular training on that to make sure that they're addressing that. Yeah, and as we're thinking about these types of training, you know, are there particular roles that you know you see have you know a different nature of what needs to be presented? Um, you know, I know you're talking about you know trying if you're developing the code you know, training of, you know, this might be how an attack could come in and, you know, how you might want to consider doing your code or writing the code. So is there, are there nuances depending on, you know, kind of where you sit within that development process? Oh, absolutely. That's hugely important. Um, you want training to be very much role-based. Um, we uh, work with an organization that did a study um, that shows that the most effective training is training that's relevant to the person's role. And it seems intuitively obvious, but you'd be, well, it probably wouldn't be surprised um, that a lot of training is just, you know, memorization. Here's a vulnerability. Here's what it is. Here's what you have to do. Here's what it's called, you know, and, and that's less important than in your role to prevent this, here's what you have to do, because all of these vulnerabilities uh, apply to all the different roles. You know, a person who's creating software, who's designing it, has to think about security in the design. And that's different from what you have to do when you're a coder, but thinking about security in your code, which is very different from what you have to do if you're a tester, um, to testing 
for those particular vulnerabilities. You're looking at it from a different perspective. And then there's the people who deploy the software. You know, these days everything's going up into the cloud. And so there's, you know, the configuration of your cloud environment and making sure the software is properly deployed into there. So each role in the software development process or whatever process it might be in the organization has particular things that they need to learn. Uh, and if you just teach everybody the same thing about these vulnerabilities and here's how they work, that's not going to be nearly as effective as helping people understand how it affects what they do day to day. Yeah, and I think that definitely makes sense. As you said, it should be intuitive that you want to learn specifics to what you're specifically doing because, you know, as you said, if you're creating the code, you might not need to know the same things that the person who's testing it does. But is there a balance there as well of, you know, you can start maybe with a higher level understanding and then drill down to your role. So that way you can kind of, you're not just looking at a, a particular tree in the forest. Yeah, there's a baseline that everybody should have in, in all these organizations. Absolutely. So there's, in, in our training is generally built up in that way where everybody gets a baseline. So there's a there's a shared language of communication and a shared understanding of, uh, you know, what the things uh, they're working on are. If they're going to do a threat modeling process, everybody understands what a threat model is. Uh, and then it goes on to role base as to how do I use the threat model in my role or how do I you know make sure we avoid these vulnerabilities in my particular role. But absolutely. There's a core level of knowledge uh, that everybody should have and understand and should be able to work together on. And then you move into the uh, things that are relevant to my day to day. Yeah, no, kind of as you said, having that general baseline and then being able to drill down to your role, um, you know, it sounds like it creates the most effective kind of comprehensive understanding of what's going on. Um, yep. But for those of you just joining, I'm talking with Fred Pinkett of Security Innovation. We're talking about security training and um, how to do that effectively. And Fred, I kind of want to pivot a little bit. And you know, we've been talking about you know the different roles that you want to focus on and providing information that's relevant to each role. But you know, in terms of the training itself, you know, what do you see as the most effective way of uh, engaging with the people that you're trying to to train and really educate? Because uh, I imagine just presenting a slide deck is not going to be the most effective way. Yeah, yeah, too much too much of that gets done and it gives training a bad name. Um the the uh absolutely we have a methodology that we refer to as learn practice master, where there's still no substitute for the core of you know, you have to learn some things, right? Uh, you have to go through the information and you have to understand the terminology and understand how it works, but you can still do that in an interactive way um, where there's some information presented and then you get asked the question about it um, or you have to do a little exercise on it. And so that's the learn phase where it's like more traditional, what people think of traditionally learning online. Then there's a practice phase um, where there would be labs. So you get actually hands-on doing of these sorts of things, whether it's fixing the code or, or attacking the software so you understand how the vulnerability works in a single instance. And that gives you a chance to actually use what you've done in the learn phase. And then there's a mastery phase where the labs are a little more self-sufficient. You know, we don't guide you through it, but you actually, okay, here's a scenario. Here's like a real world system. Here's the actual code, you know, go ahead and, and do what you need to do. Uh, and then we have these also simulations 
regulations that go along with it, which are full-fledged applications, uh, which people, uh, and, and we actually refer to that as playing. Um, so where they're actually playing a cyber range, it's called the cyber range, uh, where you do this, where it's, you know, a healthcare application, which is, you know, what we're, we're just in the process of releasing, or a banking application, or e-commerce application, and then people get together for a day and actually try to attack it using the knowledge they gained in the earlier phases to try to steal data, perform fraudulent transactions, and, and they get points for it, there's leaderboard, they can compete in that sort of thing, and so that they're really, it becomes second nature because now they're playing, you know, now they're showing a mastery of those topics, uh, and it also helps motivate them because when you learn about these vulnerabilities, it might be theoretical. But then when you go into an application and actually use them to steal data and perform fraudulent transactions or to take the system down or to use it to blast emails out or whatever it might be um, in these exercises, it really gives you an understanding of the implications. And you can look back at it and say, oh, if somebody did what I just did to my software, that would be bad. You know, we would we would lose data. We would lose the confidence of our customers, you know, and, and people uh, want to do a good job. People want their software to be good. And so it really helps them understand the implications of these security issues. Yeah. And kind of building on, I think it sounds like both the practice and the master phases, you know, kind of what goes into being able to develop those scenarios in those simulations that enable uh, kind of that playing around that you were just describing? Yeah, um, a, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of experience in the space. We've been, you know, doing this particular thing for close to a decade. Um, so we sit down uh, and think about first, what are the vulnerabilities that we want people to understand as part of the simulation? Um, what's going to be the theme of the particular simulation, like the, the healthcare app that we're, we're just doing? Um, what specific ways is the play going to proceed? how hard it's going to be. We have different um, cyber ranges for different levels of knowledge and for different uh, types of uh, security programs. Uh, and then from there, you build the story and you, you try to make it fun where, uh, you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another, um, like a like a video game where you're opening up the different levels or, or you, you know, acquire different things as you go along. So I kind of like that comparison to a video game because you know that that was actually what was kind of popping into my mind as you're initially as you're describing in the first place of being able to you know get in there try out all these different things you know so kind of as you're just saying you know, is it more of a progressive type uh, type of interaction or I guess more of that open world style that seems to be growing in. Um, appeal in the video game world? Yeah, a bit of a mix and, and different in different ranges. Um, so so some of our, our ranges where you just get the application and go and you can sort of go to any place and do whatever you want. Like most applications, you have to figure out how to log in. And so you have to break into the system or get a password. So there's always a starting point. Some of our um, newer ranges have uh, characters that you interact with. They have like hacker generals that give you missions. Um, and so when you complete one mission, it unlocks the next mission. And so it's very much progressive. Uh, so it, it can be either one of those. Um, it's more progressive uh, because you can sort of control where the learner goes and sets, you know, start from the easier challenges to the harder challenges. You want somebody to have to be successful, right? In this, these these video games, we're not trying to fool people. We want them to win, right? And because they they learn in the process of winning. So you start with uh, a lot of information and uh, uh, easier challenges and then work 
work people's way up to unpeeling them. And then you get towards the end where there's harder challenges. Uh, and then, you know, people have a greater challenge and people have a greater sense of accomplishment that they've been through all of this. So as people are kind of progressing through those different levels, you know, is there a particular measure or other way of gauging, you know, how well they're absorbing the information or absor or, or maybe not absorbing the information, but kind of developing and enhancing their skill set? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So from the from the learner's perspective, the player's perspective, they get points for each challenge they complete. So, you know, like a game, you know, they, they want to build up their points. And some people run them as uh, individual where you can use it for a week and on your own time. And other people have these events where everybody gets together for a day and hack at it and either as individuals or in team. And there's a leaderboard during the day. And there's, you know, they, they, it's a ton of fun, a ton of energy that people get involved in, in doing these things. Um, so you know, the points is one measure, but which types of challenges they get is another measure. So at the end of the whole process, we give our customers a report that said, your people were really good at doing this, but maybe they need a little more training on this other thing. Uh, and so help it, it, it can help you understand uh, what level uh, your people have achieved in terms of their security skills, as well as which types of security skills they're good at and which ones they need more training on. Yeah, and then Kind of thinking about that and also I think going back a little bit to that design phase, you know, as you're creating all the different scenarios and thinking about the different skills that um, would receive benefit by getting that practical application, you know, are you ingesting, you know, in, um, awareness of attacks that have occurred and, you know, kind of experience that have been learned or, you know, kind of what does that process look like of, um, you know, I guess focusing on healthcare since that's where the, the industry that we're primarily focused on it's you know what what types of things are out there that are helping to inform that the creation of those simulations yeah so we definitely try to align with the things that are going on on the world as we build these things so our latest one we built it you know with some of the latest vulnerabilities that have been out there that have been attacked Things like Log4j, which affected software across the world because everybody was using this one particular open source library to do their logging. So we, you know, included that particular vulnerability um, in our latest one. We also align with standards. So for web applications, there's an organization called OWASP, um, which defines what are the top 10 vulnerabilities, and they update that every so often. And so we're aligning with that. Um, there's another organization called MITRE, which has this thing called an attack framework that uh, aligns all the different types of attacks. Um, and so we align with that. There's government standards. So it's a mix of aligning with what the regulations are and, and what various organizations in the field are promulgating as these are the important things, as well as wow, this big event just happened. We we definitely make sure we need to edu educate people on that as part of it. So it's each one is very, very up to date uh, in terms of all the things that are going on. Although sadly, there's some vulnerabilities that have been still the same, you know, for for 10 years, and they're still in that top 10 category and have, and have always been in there. Um, and so we always have repeats and refreshers because they do different, uh, they'll do a different cyber range that might have the same vulnerability, but approached in a different way. So it both enhances their skills and learning as well as refreshes themselves on those particular things. Yeah, and kind of in, along those lines, as you said, there are obviously issues that have unfortunately lingered for longer than maybe they should have been, as well as, you know, new threats emerging, you know, say probably on a daily basis, yep. um, if not maybe more frequently, depending on how you're looking at it. 
you know, so how how often do you need to update the the simulations, and how difficult is it to go about rebuilding around uh, new and emerging threats? Yeah, well, we have we have a library of. 250 courses, uh, close to 100 labs of diff differing types in 10 of these major simulations. And we're constantly updating every quarter we, we're releasing updates. So, you know, uh, every element within the, the library, especially the e-learning in the labs will get touched. You know, a, a particular class might get touched every year or two, um, but another one might get touched twice in a year because things changed in that particular area. Um, so when a new version of the OWASP Top 10 comes out, for example, we'll sweep through all of our classes that mention it, them and make sure that we get updates uh, out there to them. Uh, but when a new major vulnerability comes out, um, then we'll sweep in those areas and make sure that we get updates. So every every quarter, uh, uh, our training customers are getting new courses, updated courses, updated labs, et cetera. Yeah, so I mean that definitely makes sense, as you said. You have to be aware of the changing landscape and changing information. You know, it sounds like that's probably broadly applicable to every industry. Are there particular challenges or um, areas that you need to pay attention to when you're creating training, specifically within healthcare? Um, so yeah, well, well, think healthcare, there's obviously regulatory things you need to be concerned with, as well as the vulnerability things that you need to be concerned with. So you need to make sure, um, you're aligning with all of those. So, you know, HIPAA and uh, all of those kinds of things, uh, have to have to be accounted for in the training, uh, as well as the vulnerabilities. Now, a lot of the regulations are similar with their own little spin across, uh, all the different, uh, different industries. So, you know, HIPAA says you have to make sure that you don't have particular vulnerabilities in your code, whereas another one says you have to not have vulnerabilities in your code according to this particular list or whatever. So there's a lot of commonality um, and, and a lot of the training applies across industries, but then there's some uh, vertical slices of things that where you want to say if you're concerned about this regulation, uh, you need to think about it. And then there's things that are how to make the security training relevant to your particular thing, like threat modeling is a big thing where you want to say, okay, so we're a hospital and we have our data stored in this way and we have images and we have all, all this sort of thing. And so this is how we're going to protect them because this is the threat to us. Uh, and so there's sort of three things where it's very specific to the field where it's very, very general across cybersecurity, but also you're teaching people how to make it specific to their field. And that that's an important part of it as well. Yeah, no, I think that point you just made is, it seems to be a very key one, which as you said, is you have to make sure it's relevant and specific. Um, you know, because I think as you were implying, if you don't do that, it's very easy to say, oh, well, I don't need to worry about that because it's, you know, brought, you know, it doesn't seem like it's addressed to me. It's maybe affecting the banking industry, for example, because I'm a hospital, I'm going to be operating differently. Right, exactly. It, 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 it goes back to the role-based training where it's relevant to that particular person's day-to-day -day job. Um, and then the, the simulation type training where we really get hands-on and they can see um, the effects of these things. Uh, and then understanding what's important to your organization and what's not. So you're not spending time on just say, oh, I need to cover all this stuff versus you're spending time on and, and going deeper on the things that are really going to matter for your organization. Yeah, and I think if you're able to do that effectively, then it sounds like, you know, that means you're actively paying attention to the emerging threats and 
actively assessing your own operations to be able to determine where weaknesses might be or where you might want to provide a refresher to avoid a new weakness popping up. Exactly. And, you know, in, in our particular space in application security, there's also different technologies, right? There's different languages that people program on and different platforms and it might be running in the cloud or you might be, you know, we have uh, 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 medical device makers, for example, that have to deal with embedded software in, in devices. And that's a very different thing from somebody who's you know running a website and has to deal with web vulnerability. So it has to be particular to that organization and and we serve many different types of organizations and so there has to be a it has to be broad so that people can pick their particular thing and their particular technology and their particular role but then it has to go to the level of depth that's important for that particular area as well yeah and i think that's a very important point as you said you know be broad but at the same time be particular to um, what your company is doing and what you're working on and um, Fred, unfortunately, I think that's going to have to be a great takeaway point because, believe it or not, we are already out of time. Uh, so I want to thank my guest, Fred Pinkett, for a great conversation today. Well, thank you for having me. It was great talking with you. I really enjoyed being here. And thank you to everyone listening. Keep the dialogue going and connect with me at hashtag HCDEJURE. I'm Matt Fisher. Until next time. Mm -hmm.